What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. Let's get right into it. First things first, let's start with this episode again. This whole month is going to be sponsored by musician, artist, Walking Apollo. We played him last week on the show. Friends of the show, listeners, hopefully soon to be multi-millionaire musicians slash investors because that's what we're all going for so make sure you check out their latest album came out this month uh almost two weeks ago came out new year's day called your my pride and joy etc by walking apollo it's available on spotify apple music amazon google whatever you name it or whatever's on title let's see if look, someone look if it's on title just because title's owned by square slash block so just curious but make sure to check them out Nice dudes, listen to the show. They're down in Texas. If you ever see them touring around, check them out. But make sure to check out that music. They're just trying to get Spotify listens, like we all are. Just trying to get that get that traction. And they are good. Like I said last week, um, I will promote shitty stuff for the right price. I will do it. But, you know, I didn't make these guys, you know, pay out the ass. I said I would do it for free. They sent me money anyways. So... That's the, that's the quality of folks we're talking about here. These are the kind of folks who want listening to the show and sponsoring the show. So you see how that works? So anyways, make sure to check it out. Walking Apollo. They are a legit band on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. Um, I listen on Spotify like <clears throat> um, I do for almost everything, music and podcasts. And hey, we got that Spotify stock. It's starting to make a comeback. I've been talking about it for weeks. If you haven't bought Spotify stock, not a bad look right now. It was at like 380 last year. It's at like 230 right now. I mean, come on. Do I let people talk about like market crashes? I'm like, bitch, look around. Look around. Like some of these companies have already course corrected like months ago. Uh, and some now are, it's weird because uh, we started talking about it in like November, how you started to see some of these like cracks coming. Um, I forget which title of the episode. I wonder if I can, if I can pull it up real quick, I'll say. Um, but if it takes too long, I'm not going to do it. Here you go. You want to check? Oh, what is it? Uh, oh yeah. Episode seven, CrowdStrike three, November. Doesn't matter what date. It was in November. I don't know the exact date, but that's the one where we started to say like, Hey, you're starting to see, we're starting to separate winners and losers here. So there wasn't like an overall, like obviously we're seeing a correction the last couple of weeks to start the year, but we were seeing companies already cracking months before that companies that were already kind of like posers if you will i don't know what that's probably the best word for it like companies that weren't they have like i I understand their growth story but they were just got ahead of themselves and i don't know if they're worth what they're saying they're worth you know companies like we've talked about for a while i don't own any of them but i've talked shit about them robin hood coinbase peloton um and even in stuff in my portfolio, Square has been cut in half almost. So, but the difference is, is I see an opportunity versus like what I thought should have happened to begin with. Same with like Affirm. Affirm has been cut in half since we talked about it being a little bit ahead of itself and kind of saying like, hey man, people they're not collecting on this back end. They're not collecting their their uh, liabilities from people on this buy now pay later. They're only like they're like two thirds in default. They need the money, man. But the merchants aren't exposed here. It's just a firm. And so we see that stock cut in half. So my point being, like, you see all these worries about, like, ah, correction, correction, what's going to happen? It's like, well, if you already look around, it's already been cracking. Um, <clears throat> and I think 2022 is definitely going to be more of a year for stock pickers than for, like, the overall market. I mean, that's been my approach for years is to pick individual stocks instead of, like, ETFs or mutual funds and things like that. And... um, you know, we always talk about 
picking individual tech stocks, like the dis- disruptive tech, which is where I obviously where I spend all my money. But uh, it, I, I, this is what I advise people who are more they want to be more like hands off with their investments. They just kind of want to like, hey, I just want to put in some money and forget about it. And again, you could do this with individual companies. I would still advise it. But if you're just more nervous, if you just want to, if you want to be like less risky, let's say less risk, then yeah, invest in an S and P 500 index. Invest in just like the Nasdaq or Invesco QQQ or something like that, and just let it ride. But those are those are when you're investing in the market as a whole versus individual companies. And I think this year you're going to see individual companies really. Some are going to have great years. Some are not. And the overall markets are going to be kind of like, meh, that's how I think. That's what I think is going to, I think it's going to like, I don't think we're going to see this big crash. I think we're going to see like a steady, like a boring market, honestly. I think we're going to see more of a boring market um, this year. It, it, I don't know. We're still going to see like to start the year, it's going, going to be quite volatile as we're seeing. But overall, I think it's going to be kind of like nothing super spectacular. Still worth every like all these big. That's what the, this is the most excited I've been about stocks in like two years. By the way, these sell-offs that have been happening recently, they've been coming. Like some of these prices, when I look at my portfolio, like my long-term account, and some of these companies that the companies I believe in the most for the long term. I mean, some of the prices they've come down to are unbelievable. Shopify almost went under a thousand dollars a share. That hasn't happened in almost a year. More than that, I think it's crazy. So, um. Just seeing amazing opportunity in some of these, like, again, we mentioned Spotify really coming down. Uh, Google isn't coming down a ton, but it's given us, it's the most it's come down in a while. Airbnb coming down to some good valuations, 150 bucks, 158 bucks, something like that. Now it's at 168. So Airbnb was a good purchase the last couple of weeks. Tesla obviously dipped below a thousand. Square, of all of them, I think Square has the biggest upside. Now, again, I know the fintech industry, it's very competitive and there's a lot of competition there and like there's a lot of things going against them, but I believe in what they're building for the future. Like Square's building their own like Bitcoin mine now. <laughs> so, uh, and we'll see how they close the afterpay deal that's supposed to come in at the end of the month. Um, but they're also seeking like a, um, like they've, they've been working on building a Bitcoin uh, like a crypto exchange for a while, like a decentralized, like their own exchange to buy and sell crypto. This is again, this is why I don't like companies like Robinhood and Coinbase who only have like, <clears throat> they're kind of a one trick pony in that regard where Square does like, they're adding, they're doing a business. They're coming into Coinbase and Robinhood's business while still doing all the other stuff that they do with their point of sales, cash app, their banking charter, you know, loans, all that stuff, small business loans. So it's like, <clears throat> When you look at the market caps, they're all very similar, but Square does like five other things than them and has the market leader with Cash App. I mean, Square has now come down to a valuation when, when, when Cash App was rather unproven. And now we know how good it is and we know how, how much market share it has. And the stock has come down to a two-year-ago evaluation. So it's almost a no-brainer to me. Like, could Square go down more? Yeah, of course. Of course it could. But the upside is so much more likely to me. And I think we're still, again, Square sitting at 148, probably going to see some more volatility here, but pick up as much as you can under 150 if it stays under, whatever you can afford, you know, don't go crazy, but I just see way more upside. Same with like PayPal. I don't have as much PayPal, but I feel like those two are the big, when you look at the fintechs, like I trust Square and PayPal versus SoFi and Affirm, let's say. So you know, pick your battles. But, um, I think that's kind of, uh, 
kind of a no-brainer right now. I've been loading up on Square in my my account a little, little less this last week. My parents' account, I added quite a bit. Um, and the whole thing with inflation, like that's kind of what's driving news today. I'm recording this Wednesday morning versus Tuesday night. I just got I got home too late from a show last night. I didn't want to like phone this in and half-ass it, half asleep, and you could hear it in my voice. So I didn't I didn't want to do it. So we're doing it fresh in the morning with a shitty cup of coffee, mind you. I've been getting really into pour-over coffees lately, and it's great, but it's also like ruining coffee for me in a way. Like the last two shops, uh, coffee shops I've been to. I've been rather disappointed and they're like nice shops. Like I'm going to like, okay, where's the nice shop in town? I've been doing a lot of stand up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. While I'm home I, in Michigan, I do a lot of stuff in Grand Rapids or Kalamazoo. I said, that's as far as I'll drive that far at the most to do stand up <laughs> in this state, unless I'm getting paid a nicer chunk of money. But going to Grand Rapids, great town, ton of great coffee shops. Madcap coffee is great, but they close so fucking early. I can't go hang out before a show because that's my new thing. Now I'm at the, I'm at the age now I've, I fall asleep at seven. If I have nothing going on, I fall asleep at 7 PM. Okay. So I have, if I have a nine o'clock show, a nine o'clock show start, I have to leave the house at six and go to a coffee shop for two to three hours before I go to the show because I, I'll just stay at, I'll, I'll stay at home and lose focus and fall asleep. And I will still go do the show, but I'll like be lethargic. I just have to go get it done. But in doing that, since I'm making all these bomb-ass pour-overs at home, I'm going to these coffee shops and be like, what is this shit? Like I had kava the other day. Get out, get out of here with that horse shit. No one wants co- – just make a cup of coffee. No one wants that hippie bullshit, okay? Just make a cup of coffee and do it right. And people talk about like I have a Chemex as most – like the, the legend of pour-overs, right? People always make fun of me for it, but it's like, bitch, this is the most simple way to make coffee. You're just passing hot water through a filter with beans. It's the simplest, most organic way to make a cup of coffee. But I ran out, of, and, and I will say, I, in defense of these coffee shops, they should have good stuff if they're charging what they're charging. But I buy coffee all over the country. Whenever I go to a city, I try to find like the the hit the trendy hip coffee shop in town. And I'll get a cup there every day or so. And if I like it, when I leave town, I'll buy a bag and take it home with me. So when I come home, I have all these bags of coffee from different cities, from nice coffee shops. It's fun. It's a fun activity. I took it from a friend of mine. My friend Bo showed me that life. And I was like, "That's I like that. That's way cooler than buying a shot glass or some stupid shit. Um, so I'm making all this great pour with these dope coffees, but I just ran out. I had to use like a basic bitch backup coffee for a pour over. And like the second you make it, you're like, this is not going to work. This is not going to be good. So I'm just with my sad cup of coffee, but it's giving me the energy I need. It's doing the placebo effect. I might throw some Baileys in it because I would never throw Baileys in a nice pour over coffee because you're ruining it. But in a shitty cup of coffee, hey, you got to do what you got to do. And if it gets you a little buzzed, that's a win. That's a win-win. Um, I remember what I was talking about before I went off on this coffee thing. Inflation, probably. By the way, <clears throat> they've been talking about inflation. We've been talking about it on this show for over a year. We talked about it starting in like literally a year ago, January, February of last year. And we started talking about it and we would joke about how like um, my friend couldn't find a snowmobile or a jet ski. He tried to buy a jet ski last winter and they were like two years out. <laughs> to buy them because everyone just had cash they were just buying shit 
left and right. And we were in, in at that point we were already thinking about inflation being bad. But then we were like, oh man, this is gonna get so much worse. Like even like my sister and her husband, they were getting like thousands of dollars in like federal credits and federal money because they had kids, because of the pandemic. But the irony of it was not, neither of them ever lost their job. Their income was at no point ever affected. And they got probably realistically between five and eight thousand dollars all all told. For for a family that didn't need any assistance in that regard i'm not saying that hey take free money all day every day take the money if you're gonna they're gonna give it to you take it no knock on that but it just goes to show i'm like wow how much money are they just writing here like how much how many checks are they just writing out here and so when we kept saying like hey inflation's gonna get really bad and that's when we started going heavy in bitcoin early last year because we were looking at it as a, as a hedge against inflation it hasn't really worked out like that as much it had at times but overall now we just look at Bitcoin is a store of value, but it is kind of a hedge against, I guess, everything going to shit. But at the same time, Bitcoin tends to move with markets. It didn't always, but it, it tends to do that more and more now. So it's like not working as a hedge as much anymore. But that's why I talk about I talk about Bitcoin being an asset class, not a cryptocurrency. Just look at it as a store of value. That's all it is at the current point. And it still works that way. But well, let's talk about inflation. Like inflation was up 7% last year, the worst it's been in 40 years. And it's like, what moron needed Jerome Powell to say that yesterday or today to realize it? They printed trillions of dollars. Like, you don't even, this is not even econ 101 shit. This is like common sense shit. When there's more of something, it becomes less valuable. Done. Like, that's it. You don't even need... I used to say it's, it's economics 101. It's not even that. It's not even that. It's just simple common sense. And so... But this is like... I see this trend all the time with finance. Where it's like simple, obvious stuff. And people try to like overthink it all the time. And it's like... No. Just... It is what it is. But there's so much manipulation. There's so much bullshit out there. That people are like... Their brains are broken. They can't think straight. And by the way, if you're worried about inflation and how to like, how do I, how do I fight against inflation? Uh, keep investing, keep investing in stocks or buy real estate outside of that. I don't know what to tell you, honestly, because keeping it in cash, it's going up in flames. Did you do better than 7% last year in the market or, you know, last, last month? I mean, me and my, uh, my friends, I have a ton of money. I'm not going to include myself in the millionaire category because I'm not. But my multi-millionaire friends, one of their favorite things to say when it comes to stocks is, hey, it's doing better than the bank. Which, by the way, a friend of mine who holds, I don't want to disclose his account, but again, a multi-million account holder, he bought Novonix uh, two weeks ago. How about that? Huh? They're believing. All right? So it's not just us. All right? They're getting on board. Um, and he called me like two days later and he's like, man, it's, it's going, this is going great. And... Um, but then he's like, hey, it's better than a bank. It's better than a bank. He's like, even if it was going just barely up, it's better than a bank. So we always reiterate that. And so to to prepare for inflation or to, uh, um, I don't know, how to beat it, I guess, just, just invest and hold out for the long term. Because, spoiler alert, uh, inflation doesn't ever stop. Look at, look at the value of the U.S. dollar since 1913, I believe, when the Federal Reserve was founded. So look at... Look at the markets from, look at inflation, look at inflation, look at, look at the stock market from 1913 up and look at the value of the U.S. dollar from 1913 up and tell me where you'd rather have cash. 
it's it's insane when you look at the charts. And I mean, you probably already know without even looking at it. But when you look at the charts, it's quite staggering. So that's my point. It's like just keep just keep investing because inflation never stops. So uh, it's like it's just it's just sometimes it's worse than others, and that's what's going on right now. It's like inflation never ends, but there are times where it just it goes up exponentially higher, and that's that's what we're dealing with right now. That's why it was affecting tech stocks that we talked about last week. Like when inflation goes up, it affects the treasury yield, hedge fund algorithms, and big money automatically sells off their tech investments because of their their future earnings being affected. Whatever we've been saying that forever, boring. But markets are kind of taking a, a little bit of a uh, recovery because Jerome Powell has come out and said, "Hey, we're going to do everything we can to fight inflation. Like we we are aware of it." We're going to make sure it's it's uh, under control. We're going to do what we need to to control it. And that's why you're seeing some of these tech stocks rebound. I also just think they're, they're rebounding because they were hitting such insane low prices. Like some of these were ridiculous. I don't know all, but like like Square or like Nvidia was going down to like almost like 260 something for a second. Now it's at 282. Let's get back up there. Amazon was was flirting with going down to three. It was at 3200. And by the way, Amazon, I forget, I think Bank of America picked him as their 2022 stock of the year. Last year, we talked about, uh, I think, Morgan Stanley or Wedbush picked Tesla as theirs for the year. JP Morgan, JP Morgan um, picked Tesla as their 2022 stock of the year. Bank of America saying Amazon with a $4,500 price target. So over $1,000 upside from what we're sitting at now. Just buy pieces of the sh- of the shares. I know it's not, you know, people don't want to buy uh, Amazon because it's such a big stock, but um, you know, it is what it is. Buy pieces of it. The percentages are all the same. Who cares? Just buy percentages until you own a whole share and then go from there. doesn't matter. Um, excuse me. All right. Let's see what else. What else want to go into? Oh, by the way, speaking of Novonics, you mentioned that, um, it is available on Fidelity. If you have Fidelity, shout out to Vinny in Dallas, sent me a message, uh, comedian, pal, listener of the show. <coughs> excuse me. He sent me a message saying that it is available on Fidelity because I always say like since Novonics is a foreign stock uh, in a pink sheet, they're not always on every exchange or on every um, uh, brokerage service. So I know it's on Schwab. We know that it's on Fidelity. Um, Is that it? Is that all we know? If there's other ones, let me know. We'll keep mentioning them because, you know, you can't buy it otherwise. Oh, man, how did we not gotten to this yet? We're almost 20 minutes into the show. We haven't talked about Tesla. My God, is my brain broken? Let's talk about it. Uh, well, I guess we did mention how it went under a thousand a share. And I did. Um, it's just great to see all these like analysts get what me and friends of mine have been talking about for forever, like for like two years, honestly. Um, Tesla hit a delivery record with their China deliveries. Oh, I guess Neo didn't slow them down, did they? me being a dick kind of because it's like again that was something last year people kept, I, I heard a lot about, I heard a lot about Neo last January and so for us to go to advance now to where we are a year later and Neo's at 30 bucks a share when it was at like 50 this time last year um, and then Tesla being where it is and hitting record numbers it's like well what did we say and we even talked about how Tesla did the battery stack thing before no one fucking wants it pay attention Neo no one wants that shit. Tesla already did it years ago. So 
it's just funny how like I don't know how if Wall Street doesn't notice this stuff. I feel like well they don't because they're very short term. They don't think they have a memory of a fucking goldfish. I swear they can't remember shit because people will say like oh my god what about it's like dude did you not remember like a week ago like do you not remember anything? Um, but it's nice seeing these analysts finally turn around a little bit. Dan Ives at Wedbush saying that Tesla's leading the auto world's biggest transformation since the 1950s. Yeah, dude, no shit. We knew that two years ago. Like, Tesla spent 10 years trading sideways and figuring it all out and getting profitable, and now they are, and everyone goes, oh, shit, we should make an EV. That's literally what happened. Like, Tesla hit the gas, <laughs> pun intended here. Tesla, like, hit that, and everyone was like, oh, shit, let's make an EV. It's like, yo, they're already pumping. Like, Tesla's already a million vehicles a year. A million with massive margins and profit. And by the way, we forgot to mention that last week because we talked about how um, Tesla had a big pop on deliveries. Like they they beat quarter four deliveries by like 40,000 units or something. 308, 309,000 deliveries for the uh, quarter four, which was a big surprise. We saw the stock jump, I think, 140 some dollars a share in a single day. Went up like 13, 14 percent. Um, the first trading day of 2022, and then took a little bit of a slowdown and then went down to the 900s. I bought a couple of shares. I loaded up on shares in my parents' account. I'm getting jealous of how of the cost average in my parents' account that I run for them. They don't even know, but like I, I look at their account sometimes and I'm like, damn, like I, they're doing well. So, but it's because I'm managing it. I mean, well, it's, it's also like, you know, a little bit of luck involved here, but I'm just like, I get annoyed at some of their averages, but I'm like, oh, well, at least, you know, tipping my cap at least. But anyways, loaded up for them. Um, but because of this deliveries from quarter four, you're going to see a big earnings pop here. On, on Tesla's next earnings report, you're going to see a big, big number because those because de- Tesla reports their deliveries and earnings separate. So the reason I say the earnings are going to be more than they expected is because Tesla gets better and better margins. I swear every time they report an earnings um, and it's because of how long they spent trying to figure it out. They have the strongest batteries, the lowest cost. So like obviously that works out to the best profit margins. And so like we talk about Rivian all the time, we make fun of how like Elon said, Hey, great, nice vehicle, but now make it at scale for profit. That's the challenge. He said famously all the time, it's easy to make a prototype. Anyone can make a prototype, but it's infinitely more difficult to make the machines, to make the machine, to build the factories, essentially. He's like, to build the, to build the factories, the machines to make the car is so much more difficult than making the prototype and making the vehicle. And then to do it at, at scale, to do it uh, cost effectively, that's even crazier. So, and I think Rivian doesn't make their own batteries. So like Rivian's got to be paying, whew, I bet those battery packs are costing them 15, 20 grand a piece, maybe more. And they're selling the car for 50. So it's like, once you add in all the other costs, like there's not a lot of room there for money. So, and I wonder what Rivian stock is, by the way. Let's give it a quick look. Oh, $86. Go <laughs> figure. Holy shit. Was that 172 right after it debuted? Um, it's been going down ever since. Oh, shocker. Who said that? Literally everyone who's had Tesla for years. So, and even if they, that truck is ugly too, by the way. Like, Wow. And their COO just left. Okay, that's how you know things are going great. The chief, the chief operating officer split ship as they're ramping up production. What does that tell you? Man, I should have shorted Rivian. 
I had to talk about this all. I'd be, I need to be better about calling my shorts when I when I do. I just I tell I say them on here, but don't put any money behind it. I'm like, yeah, firm's going under a hundred. I could have made a shitload if I bought the put contract on that. Oh well, I need to do it. Um, let's see. Moving. I just got distracted by an article saying that Apple could potentially bid for the MLB weekday package and bring big player into live sports. Um. That would be sweet. I could see Apple like they've talked about Amazon buying up uh, like the NFL package. Uh, Sunday ticket is up for renewal, I think, this year or next. People were talking about how Amazon might buy it and put it on Amazon Prime, like all every NFL game. I would love that. Like that would be, man, that would be huge, huge, huge. I wonder what the numbers are on that. I'm sure their accountants are running the numbers on this and their lawyers are running the numbers to make sure it all makes sense. But you got to think like whatever that deal would cost, whoever lands that like NFL package, like basically DirecTV has stayed alive and a lot of cable companies and satellite companies have stayed alive simply because of live sports and the NFL being the biggest one in this country. So if Apple or Amazon are able to secure those rights and put them on their streaming service, man, billions of dollars. So I would love to see that happen. That would be huge. It would be, a, and it'd be a paradigm shift. You would, that would be really the nail in the coffin too, to cable companies and satellite companies like direct TV at that point, just call it quits, right? Or get acquired or something. Sell out, cash out, take your money and run, pull a succession. I don't know if you've been watching that shit on HBO. This is now the third week in a row we're talking about it. And by the way, I have finished it. I finished Succession last week. I'm still going to say Billions is a better show, but damn, Succession is great. It's a close second. They're right there neck and neck. But I like Billions a little bit more. I think because Billions is more with like the finance stuff, and I just like all the insider trading and all that, and all those like stories that are just awesome and, and wild. But... Still a great show, um, but the, the, if you haven't watched Succession, it's basically about a guy who owns like a, a CNN type network or like a Disney type network that's like a media conglomerate. Uh, owns a bunch of news networks, um, has a bunch of like rec like parks, and, and and is trying to get into like streaming to stay alive. So it's like I just think of like Logan Roy and Succession when I see like Directv losing their sports package to a, a streaming service like Apple or Amazon. And here's the thing, both those companies we've talked about Apple having ungodly amounts of cash for a year so it's like apple could literally write a check for any amount to just to secure this and to really boost their their streaming because that's the thing if you if you bring in think of how many new customers you could bring in by securing an mlb package or an nfl package you bring in all those new customers and they're paying for the service just for the sports like i do with paramount plus i have paramount plus only so i can watch european soccer so i can watch the champions league I pay five ninety nine a month. I'm like six, yeah, six bucks a month. I don't give a shit. It's the best six bucks, six bucks a month I can spend, in my opinion. So it's like, I pay that six bucks for a lot of good entertainment, but there's tons of stuff in addition to that. So now I watch Frasier all the time on Paramount Plus. I can watch on Hulu, which I have too, but why not watch it on Paramount with no ads? Because I pay for it. So you're gonna get more. So like my point being, if you bring in someone for that sports, you're gonna get them for the other stuff that's on that service. So if Apple locks in someone for the MLB package or the NFL Sunday Ticket package, they're probably gonna watch Ted Lasso. They're probably gonna watch whatever new bullshit you put out. Because why? Because they have it. It's free for them. Why not? So even if they overpay for those packages, it could be worth it, and I could see that happening. And Apple has 
like 180 billion in cash, some ridiculous number in cash. So there's no one on the planet that could write a bigger check than them for this deal. Um, so let's keep an eye on that. We've talked about Apple that being like another the next not the next catalyst, but wearables are the, another uh, the next like big big thing for them. All the wearable stuff. But I keep talking about streaming. Like I would love to see Apple just really take over streaming, and I think they will eventually. It's going to take some time, but I think they will eventually. That being said, I still love Netflix. I don't own any personally. Been buying a lot of it for my parents' account lately because I do think Netflix is also oversold. Uh, let's see what Netflix sits at right now. Five forty, and a lot of the price targets are for high sixes over sevens. Um, and again, a lot of competition in the space. We hear this all the time. You know, everyone else, everyone's coming for Netflix. HBO spending more money. Disney spending more money. Um, you know, Hulu's doing their thing. Paramount Plus, Discovery. Everyone's gotten a service, right? Amazon Prime. But just like I talk about with Tesla with EVs, like Netflix is the market leader. They've showed their dominance. They've proven that they can do it time and time again. Um, HBO is a great competitor. I would say if as, as far as like quality of content, it's hard to beat someone like HBO. But here's the problem, HBO. This country's full of retards. That's straight up the problem. HBO makes amazing content. But it's too good for most of these morons in this country. It really is. That's why Netflix does so well. Because Squid Games doesn't require a, an ounce of thinking. Because Tiger King doesn't require an ounce of thinking. And to be honest, I don't think some of these other shows do either that are like, <laughs> like, like succession, but like, it just doesn't, some people aren't, they just, they can't, their brain can't do it. And even like, it's funny being in, uh, doing shows around Michigan this month, because I've, I've been trying to do a bit about succession, but I open it by saying, Hey, is anyone watching succession? I've done this bit three times. I haven't even done the bit yet because I've asked three times and every single time no one claps for succession or no one says they're watching succession because they're retarded and that's just how it is like it's funny to me like people in the, mid in the midwest always shit on like new york and la and chicago it's like well bitch watch better shows you guys want to sit here and talk about how you're better than them well you're not until you finish succession okay until you watch the shows that are leading in entertainment you can't sit here and say you know shit about shit <laughs> it's like that's how i judge uh the intelligence of a, of a community is if they're watching HBO or not. It's not a bad judge. We, comedian friends of mine have talked about this for years. Me and Trayvon Free. If you know Trayvon, look him up. He makes a shitload of money now on HBO or from HBO and other stuff. But we've talked about it for years when we were starting out. We were always talking about how we want the HBO crowd because they're smart and they have fucking money. So as a comedian, I want the HBO crowd. As an investor, I know the Netflix crowd's going to win because everyone's an idiot. I, I, I'm constantly surprised by, I don't know why I'm still surprised by this, but when anything, when any, when anytime something is really popular, I'm like, wow, that's incredibly bad or stupid. But then I'm like, why am I still surprised that something popular is dumb? The median IQ in this country is a hundred. So sub like, half this country's double digit IQs. Holy shit. No wonder. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah. So my point being buy Netflix stock. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on it. I'm going to keep buying it for my parents. I haven't bought any for my own account yet. I'm still not over it since when I sold it in the two hundreds, like an idiot. 
and I bought into the hype of the competition's coming. Um, another company uh, I'm looking. I'm going to talk about some companies people ask me about because we always talk about. Uh, I always say it's like, hey, if you have a company you want me to look at, send me a message. I'll look at it and talk about it. Um, there was a couple that were sent over this week. Um, oops, let's see this. Sorry, delete. This is why we need a producer. So MU Micron Technology. We've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. They make um, basically a chip processor. They make all sorts of data storage, flash memory, flash drives, blah, blah, blah. Um, so Micron, what are they at? 95? I mean, fine company in the space. Let's see what their, look at their financials a little bit more. I mean, this is one of those, oh, here we go. I mean, I don't have Micron in my portfolio, but it's a company that I would be on board with. I mean, yeah, they're growing revenue every quarter. Net income's going up, profit margins going up. Actually, let me look at that. That's actually really interesting. If you look at their, they're actually their profit margins going up quite a bit quarter to quarter. So good to see. Again, I don't have any stocks in uh, any any holdings in Micron, but not a bad one to have. Um, a high demand industry, good financials, worth it. So find an opportunity, come in on it. Uh, another one someone sent over that I was actually pretty interested in. Uh, let me pull up the sticker. It is Digital Ocean Holdings. This company is interesting. Um, what I like what they do is basically they provide cloud services for smaller companies, essentially. That's what I've noticed is, um, is they're a small company. They're only an $8 billion company. So, I mean, still a big company, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, not massive there's they would be considered a small cap in my opinion for sure right i don't know what they what they just what they call small caps by but for me it's like basically 20 billion and under or 10 billion and under for sure um so but what i like about digital ocean is they're gonna fill the void left behind by amazon web services and companies like google so and the reason i i, I talk about this is uh, a friend of mine in tech who runs his own site always talks about how expensive servers are and how you got to pay for like AWS. And, and he says how Amazon web services makes it that he makes their, like they make their service really hard to part with. Like basically when they set up your, your servers, set up your, your whole system, they make it really hard to cancel essentially. And they make it hard to go with someone else. And he says for a lot of bigger companies, it's fine because they can handle the volume of what, what these companies need. And it's, it's, it's like too cumbersome. Like once the system is set up, it's so cumbersome to switch over that companies just won't do it. And they'll just keep paying Amazon's high prices or Google's high prices because it doesn't matter as much. But smaller companies who are paying attention to that dollar more and need more customizable serv like um, uh, services are kind of left in the dark. And, and, and even AWS and Google don't care about those companies because they're small fish. They're like, look, man, we're not focused on that. We're, we're going to get our money over here whatever. So I don't, again, I don't own any stock in digital ocean holdings, but it's one I'm going to track because it's, uh, it's at a pretty fair price. I feel, let's see, it's 52 week high is 133, the lowest 35 and it's sitting right in the middle at 73, 80. So not a bad entry point. Let's look at their financials a little bit. I'm sure. Um, let's see. Yeah. Revenue is going up operating margin, uh, profit margins, yeah. So they're doing like every, they're still not profitable, but every quarter they're getting better on profit while bringing in more revenue. 
that's what you want to see. So, and they've been around for 10 years, 10 year old company. Um, so it's one I'm going to keep an eye on because I think there's a huge market as, as, as more and more companies go online or forced to go online, you're going to see more of a demand for, uh, cloud services. So this is a company that's going to be able to provide that. So I'm going to keep an eye on it. Um, they can address that market kind of like how Shopify took up all the small merchants like Amazon's like, no, we don't care about small merchants or small businesses. We're doing our own thing. And Shopify is like, well, we'll create a system that does work for small businesses. And look how, look at what Shopify has been able to do. So I see this as like, uh, the cloud computing version of Shopify. That's a fun way of looking at it. So keep an eye on digital oceans. Uh, the stock ticker is D O C N. And that came over from a buddy, uh, one of the guys in the Discord group with Keanu Trades. If you're not in the Discord, the Discord group of Keanu Trades and myself and others, join it. Send me a message. I'll send you a link. We usually do a live episode every Wednesday, like today, for Power Hour. So from noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, through pow- through the end of market close, we just get on and, and shoot the shit and talk about what's going on. Uh, Keanu is a big swing trader. Um, there's a lot of options trading. Still does long-term investments too, but his his focus is on options and, and educating people on options. So it's I learn a lot from him. Uh, it's a fun fun thing to listen to. We we put the episodes up on YouTube on the Cash Pineapples page. So if you don't listen to them live, you can always go on YouTube and catch them later and just listen to. Them. They're audio only right now. We'll get on video um, sooner than later. But check those out. We'll put them up on YouTube the night after we record. So if we record them on Wednesday, they'll be up Wednesday night. This regular episode of Just Me will always be out every Wednesday. This one's coming out a little bit late because, like I said, I had a show late last night. Didn't want to record this half sleeping and phone it in for you guys. So um, that's why it's going to be a couple hours late today. But check those out. Uh, I don't think... I think Keanu, a.k.a. Ryan, his real name, I think he's not feeling too well today. So we might not do the... the we might do it Thursday. So tomorrow or Friday we might do it. But... Um, yeah, just keep an eye on that. That's always fun to do. Again, if you don't catch it live, you can always um, listen to it after the fact on YouTube. But the benefit of listening to it live is we, we keep the Discord channel. like we, we pay attention to it. So if you want to ask questions in real time, you can do that because we'll be there watching it. Um, one thing, too, I forgot to mention this. Uh, I don't want to... If you hold Peloton stock, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be the bear of bad. Well, you already know the bad news. I mean, Peloton stock is in the shit. Um, let's see what it's at. $35 a share. Jesus Christ. Wow. Down from 171.09 is a high. Fuck. That is incredible. 171 down to $34 and 97 cents. Wow. Um, Peloton has almost 9,000 employees. Why? And how? <laughs> Maybe that's why they're not doing so great. Yeah, net income. Holy shit. Net income was down 642%. Profit margins down 611%. Holy shit. Wow. So March, you look at like the pandemic numbers, they were flying. But as of June of last year, of this year, well, last year, man, they started to fall apart. Uh, but I bring up Peloton. A buddy of mine just ordered one, and he's like 6'2", 6'3", right around my height. And uh, he says it's way too small. He can't adjust it. I was like, are there other sizes it comes in? He's like, no, this is it. 
So he's going to return it because it's too small for a guy that's 6'2", which I know is tall, but it's not that crazy. So Peloton, if you're not selling multiple size bikes, like, are you, are they only focused on like women and like tiny men? Like, I don't get it. Like, they're going to this now this sale is going to cost them money. They went from making money on my friend. Now they're going to lose money because they got to go and pay for the shipping both ways. And that can't be cheap. It's a fucking Peloton. It's a big ass like treadmill. Pelotons ever since the beginning, since they came out, they just remind me of Nordic tracks. Remember that? That's why I never got into Peloton because I thought of I was like Peloton's just a modern version of Nordic tracks. You know how many Nordic tracks I fucked around on as a kid at my friend's places because their parents never used them and they just sat there in the basement and you could break them and no one would know because no one ever got on it i mean all of them so i feel like pelotons going that way like like my nephew is gonna have the same thing like when they're growing up and going to their friends houses they're gonna find like a dusty peloton in their friend's basement Be like oh yeah i remember those things <laughs> so um i just think it's it's and again it's one of those things where it Peloton, when I talk about like investment thesis, it's good to have like an overall investment thesis of where you want to put your money, where you want to like certain things you like to see. And one of the things I talked about, especially in recent weeks, is companies that can expand their business and get into other markets to generate money. Now, if Peloton started opening up their own gyms and having their own like clothing line, like that's how they could expand. But it's like that's just so far ahead of where they're at. And they, just, the amount of cash they would need is just not going to work. But like, what are they other than just like selling a bike? I know they have a subscription service, but. That's such an easy business to replicate. How could, I mean, how easy would it be for Apple to make that? Apple could make a bike. They could just find the same suppliers and add their own tech to it. And they have an Apple iPhone and the wearables to go with it. They could crush Peloton in two seconds if they wanted to, but why? It's like, that's not worth it. I feel like Apple has to have that discussion with themselves a lot. Where it's like, should we go into this business and crush it and destroy this company? Or is it not worth it? I really do think they look at that. That's why they've been slow to get into the cars because the margins aren't there. They've been slow to get into the TVs, smart TVs, because the margins aren't great. They're staying at where it's most profitable. So, um, which is smart. That's smart. Don't take everything, you know, just take the gravy. So, uh, whenever I see something, I just, I think of, it's one of the first things I think of when I invest in a company is how easy can their business be replicated? It's something that Mark Cuban talked about with artificial intelligence a year and a half ago, like two years ago, I saw an interview with him talking about this, where he talked about how AI is the future and how like companies, he's like, unfortunately, not a lot of companies can compete in the AI space because it's so difficult and expensive to develop. So that's why you're going to see companies like Amazon, Google, Adobe, NVIDIA really separate themselves because no one can compete in that space because they don't have the money and the tech and the engineers. And that's true. Look at like the last two years, look what those stocks have done. I mean, look at what everything has done, but those specifically have done amazing, especially companies like NVIDIA. I mean, they're artificial intelligence and they're, that's, that's what people talk about almost more than anything. As the metaverse is coming and like self-driving cars, like a lot of self-driving cars where the AI comes from, it's things like NVIDIA. So um, just going forward, if you're looking at certain investments, like that's something you should think of first is how can this be replicated? How easy can it be replicated? Um, all right, let's get out of here on this. I know some folks that bought Tesla last week because they're all excited and now they're sad. Don't be sad. It's fine for the long term. Tesla's still going to blow up. It's still going to do great. They're going to continue to do what they're doing. They're going to continue to flex their muscle, continue to add market cap. Adam Jonas uh, from Morgan Stanley, a famous analyst, 
put a $1,300 price target on Tesla with a buy rating. I know it's a $1,400 price target at Wedbush. JP Morgan saying it's their stock of the year for 2022. So a lot of good stuff coming there. And again, Tesla, a company that can morph their business. I'm excited to see what they do past EVs. I keep talking about that. What are they going to do past vehicles? Who knows? I'm excited. They're going to do something. They got the cash and the engineers. So why not? I'm excited to see what happens. So, um, and lastly, it's got to hear on this. I just made a note about this. That doesn't have much to do with stocks, I feel. But Meghan Markle got paid a billion pounds by a British tabloid for violating privacy violations. A billion pounds, like $1.4 billion in a privacy settlement. It's like, bitch, your royalty, your privacy is, you don't have any privacy. You get none. You don't get any privacy. But you still got a billion dollars. I bring this up because I talked about last year on the podcast how I think Meghan Markle works for the CIA. I think she went in undercover to take down the British royal family. She went in there and just immediately started talking shit. She's like, they're racist. And then she took, what's his name? Harry? William? Who'd she marry? I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know who she married. I think it was, was it Harry? I, I honestly don't know. She took one of the princes, said, hey, we're getting out of here. We're going to LA. We're going to be on Netflix. <laughs> and, and she does it. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's also the same reason why I watch like The Real Housewives. It's a dumb show, but it's just amazing to watch these, like all the, a lot of the guys on the show, like the husbands are like these titans of industry, right? They're like these CEOs, um, founders, whatever of different companies. Sometimes they're just like grifty lawyers, which, Hey, there's a skill in that too, but they're always like these hundred million dollar guys, these billionaire guys, because they're, they're getting these blonde, these bimbos to marry them. Right. And so I watched the show because it's just, it's so interesting and amazing to me to see these, like I said, Titans of industry just lose their empires to a pair of fake tits. It's incredible, really. It's truly amazing to be like, you stepped on all those throats and got to the top and this bitch is bringing you down? Like, I love the show Frasier, uh, the TV show Frasier, been off air for a while, but I, I, I lost all respect for Kelsey Grammer watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because he married a Camille. C- Camille? Really? That's... That's who you went for? Like, Fraser Crane would never marry a Camille. How dare you? But it's just fun. It's fun to watch and see, like, how horny these guys are. Because, like, dude, you lost everything to this bitch. That's insane. It's impressive. It's impressive. All right, you guys. Let's get out of here. Let's wrap it up. Um, I'm going to play a song again like we did last week from Walking Apollo. So we'll play that to get us out of here. Make sure to check them out on Spotify and on Apple Music and Google Music and all that stuff. Also, make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. You know, uh, click that. Is there a like? Yeah, there's a following button on Spotify. So add that. We're on Instagram. Add me, whatever. Who gives a shit? Uh, but here we go. Let's listen to some Walking Apollo and get out of here. Have a good week and um, good luck. <laughs>